Welcome to the Nurse Surgery Podcast. I'm Mike Wang, and I'm here with my co-host, J.P. Colson. We are here to discuss all things neurosurgical. Hi, this is J.P. Colson, a resident in neurosurgery at Rush University. Please note that this is not a CME event, and the opinions and statements made in this podcast do not reflect those of any institution or professional organization. Now, let's get started. Welcome back to the Neurosurgery Podcast. We are continuing our mini-series, if you will, on the uh, AANS CNS sections, and I am delighted to have with us today the new chair of the spine section, Dom Korak. Dom, congratulations on your election to be chair of the spine section. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. I'm excited about the uh, challenge. Right, right. Now, you're a friend of the podcast, and uh, we know you well, but maybe you could reintroduce yourself just so people get acquainted with, uh, with who you are if they haven't heard your previous podcast with us. Sure. Uh, well, I'm Dom Corrick with Carolina Neurosurgery and Spine Associates in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina. Uh, we're kind of a privademics, big uh, um, private practice group that has gone into academics. And so now we have a residency program. We're just getting ready to uh, graduate our first resident after seven years. Um, I am also uh, chief of the uh, spine division of the Atrium Musculoskeletal Institute. Uh, and, uh, and like you said, newly elected uh, chair for the AANS CNS joint section on spine and peripheral nerves. Well, Dr. Cork, uh, welcome back to the show for a, a brief mini self plug. I will remind our listeners that you were here previously on uh, episode 73 talking about that private demics model, as you just alluded to in your practice. But today, as stated, we're here to talk about the spine section and your capacity as the head of it. So, briefly, having introduced yourself, why don't you tell some of our listeners who are either young in the field of neurosurgery or who practice in other subdisciplines what exactly the spine section does for its members? So a couple of things about spine section. It's the, it's the most uh, uh, populous of all the uh, uh, joint sections of the AANS and CNS. And that follows because about 70 to 80% of all neurosurgery and all neurosurgeons do spine surgery. So uh, it has a uh, um, a big membership, and our job is is several fold. Uh, we we number one uh, cater to the members of the spine section to promote spine and teaching activities, including at our annual meeting, but then also protect the interest of spine surgery in general by working closely with the WNSCNS Rapid uh, Response Task Force, the Washington Committee. And interact with our parent societies, both the AANS and CNS, and work closely with those societies to provide educational content for their meetings and promote spine in general. And like I said, politically protect the best interests of spine and spine surgeons moving forward. So, Dom, you know, let's let's get to spine as a as a bigger piece of medicine and. When we think about the spine section, it represents the AANS and CNS, so essentially all spine for neurosurgeons. There are also many other societies that are largely orthopedic or maybe mixed, like uh, SRS, Scoliosis Research Society, CSRS, Cervical Spine Research Society, and LSRS, or even ISAS, which I believe you're, you're chair-elect of as well, or president-elect of. And there's a great uh, article uh, in the AANS newsletter from Mark McLaughlin, who you know well, uh, who's in Princeton, New Jersey, about this piece he had written 
a decade ago called the electrician versus the carpenter, meaning the neurosurgeon's like the electrician, I think, and the orthopedist, I believe, is like the carpenter. <laughs> Tell us about um, orthopedics and spine and neurosurgery versus, uh, and spine and how they sort of work together, or maybe they're a little bit different, and how the spine section sits in all of this. Well, that's a great question, Mike. And uh, it really, it, it talks to the the fact that spine is kind of a shared specialty between neurosurgery and orthopedics. Uh, and, you know, the reality is, is that it, it is more of a part of, of neurosurgery just definitionally because neurosurgeons typically deal with brain, the spine and peripheral nerves. And so like we talked about, about 70 to 80 percent of all a neurosurgeon does and all neurosurgery in general is spine surgery, whereas, of course, in orthopedics, Spine surgery is a robust subspecialty, but then there are subspecialties such as sports, total joint, uh, foot and ankle, hand, etc. And so uh, spine is kind of one of seven or eight major specialties in neurosurgery. I mean, sorry, in orthopedic surgery, and spine is really just one of two things in neurosurgery, basically the brain and the spine and the peripheral nerves kind of go along with that. And so the spine section is the largest neurosurgical spine society in the world. And really, um, as such, what, the, what it does is in education, uh, a dedication to education, but also into protecting the, the best interests of spine surgeons. And as you know, you know well that you know, spine surgery is kind of looked at under a microscope because it is a joint ortho and neuro um, endeavor. And the reality is, is that uh, there's a tremendous amount of resources that get uh, put into spine, but the vast majority of those resources are not in spine surgery. They're for non-surgical spine uh, because it's such a common phenomenon. So the reality is that spine surgery really is, is a fraction of the costs of the overall spine uh, costs in the United States and the world. So it's important as spine surgeons to kind of define what we do and the value of what we do and to, to provide a con contradistinction to other spine practitioners. So uh, again, the, 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 the section is a purely uh, surgical section. They're not uh, non-surgical specialists associated with it like some of the other societies. Uh, and it's kind of dedicated to the art and the science and the education of spine surgery itself. Well, Dr. Cork, that's an excellent point that you touched on at the end there. When you began to distinguish the spine section from other spine-related organizations or even specifically surgical spine-related organizations, uh, perhaps as we enter this year in 2021 and in-person meetings are starting to resume, as is the spine section this year, maybe as someone who is the chair of the spine section and a member and in some cases also an officer of other uh, spine and spine surgical societies, you could distinguish for our listeners what differences are there between these societies, perhaps not better or worse, but what things does the spine section offer that some of these other spine organizations don't, uh, perhaps in a year where we can't all attend all of the meetings like we used to? Make a pitch for the spine section meeting. Sure. I think, and that's an easy pitch to do because since spine section is, is kind of dedicated to the, you know, the research, education, and the interests of spine sur neurosurgical spine surger surgery, it is uh, nuts to bolts spine surgery. In other words, uh, it is not dedicated to only deformity or only minimally invasive or only cervical spine or only lumbar spine. 
and 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 it is it is kind of nuts to bolts all of those things because that's how neurosurgeons are, are trained and, and and again neurosurgery residency seven year residency I talked about is graduating our first resident so for he's under, he just finished seven years of intensive training eighty percent of really which is spine surgery and learning to do uh, 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 all those various aspects of spine surgery tumor trauma cervical thoracic lumbar minimally invasive, open, outpatient, inpatient. And so the section reflects that. Uh, it re- reflects what the practicing neurosurgeon is trained. And, and so it's not subspecialized into specific areas like a bunch of the, the, the other organizations that you talked about that kind of are dedicated to either cervical spine alone or lumbar spine alone or deformity alone or minimally invasive alone or arthroplasty alone or um, or not even just spine surgery, uh, but spine the spine field that includes physiatrists and physical therapists and pain management interventionalists. So this is kind of a pure spine surgeon society, nuts to bolts, top to bottom spine surgery. Yeah, Dom, it's interesting as we're talking to the section chairs, we're, we're learning more about these subspecialties. And I, of course, am a spine surgeon, but in talking to, say, the functional or cerebrovascular folks, I'm starting to find out there there's so much I didn't know. So in residency, I guess you and I are residents around the same era, uh, 20 plus years ago, it was like there were only so many operations that could be done, right? And there was a handful of spine, a handful of cranial. And you could kind of learn them all at that time. Now it seems like in any one subspecialty, there's an innumerable number of pathologies to treat, um, diagnostic methods, and procedures to apply to, to fix those problems. And so when you think about that, you know, and you think about what you do as a spine surgeon, do you think that people even get enough exposure to it? Because I kind of bristle when the residents say, well, you know, I'll just do some bread and butter spine to pay the bills, but I'm not really that interested in it, right? And to me, I'm like, wow, you know, spine is so interesting and there's so much um, detail and depth to the ways you can approach patients and the type of techniques used. And I almost feel like seven years just for spine almost wouldn't be enough. Yeah, that again, another great point, Mike. And I I think that that's exactly true. I think that your seven-year training gives you the basics of of learning how to be a a good doctor and a good surgeon and take care of patients, and it it trains you in a certain amount of techniques, but uh, you certainly can't learn every spine technique in in the scope of seven years, even with that being 70, 80% of what you do for the seven years. And so I think that's why you're seeing a lot more folks who are truly interested in spine kind of going ahead and doing a year, minimum of a year fellowship post their training in order to kind of specialize in one of the subspecialty areas of spine. I think the most, uh, you know, the most common ones now being minimally invasive versus deformity uh, versus uh, um, uh, arthroplasty and some of the kind of more forward looking uh, procedures. So I think that you kind of you get a certain base amount of spine training over those seven years, but for you to really you know get the nuances of uh, let's say of being a minimally invasive surgeon or, or an endoscopic surgeon to go along with that, and I know you do a lot of endoscopy, which is you know kind of crosses minimally invasive and motion preserving. But for you to get that, you really have to get exposure not just to the bread and butter, but a specialized exposure afterwards. And I think that's what a lot of people use that fellowship to do is to hone the area, this one specific area they'd like to be considered experts in. 
And I, I agree with you. I think if you want to be a, a, you know, a traumatologist and you want to be comfortable doing any kind of trauma that comes in, occipital cervical, C1, C2, uh, navigated uh, percutaneous fixations, et cetera, it's not enough to just have a basic training. You have to have uh, more advanced training and deformity is a great area. Uh, neurosurgeons uh, have, 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 you know, traditionally, JP talked about how the, the traditions are neurosurgeons more comfortable with the posterior approach and decompression, working around the neural elements. Orthopedic surgeons more uh, mechanically oriented and dealing with deformity uh, and and maybe anterior and lateral approaches. That's all old school. Those lines have blurred and crossed over the, the last 10 or 20 years that you and I have been doing this, Mike. And so the reality is you have to be comfortable as a spine surgeon with all of those things, intradural work, extradural work, minimally invasive, uh, open, uh, deformity, uh, you know, and, and some of the principles of deformity are carried over into generative. And so uh, those are those are why there's such an emphasis going back to the section on education of the spine surgeons and staying on the cutting edge. And, and that's one of our key uh, tasks uh, is to uh, keep uh, practicing spine surgeons in the private practice model up to date with what's new and exciting, and then keep the academic guys uh, have their pulse on the kind of the next frontier, the motion preserving, the minimally invasive, et cetera. Well, that's a great summary of the importance of the section for senior trainees, postgraduate training, and even um, post-fellowship training as people continue their learning and practice. I wonder if we could dial that back even a little further to junior residents, medical students, and think about their role within the spine section. I know that when I was a medical student and I was out on the trail trying to get a job, uh, I went to the NS meetings, I went to CNS, and I went to the spine section because as anyone who listens to this podcast knows, my interests are public within the field. But um, I can personally vouch for spine section as a blast and a great time. But for the medical students who are interested in spine neurosurgery, for junior residents, um, maybe talk to them about how they can get involved in the section beyond just showing up to the meeting to attend it. How can students and young residents participate in the section? Well, there's volunteer uh, uh, availabilities for uh, for definitely residents. I'm I'm not sure what the situation is with students, but in terms of kind of getting involved with some of the research projects that are going on at whatever facility you're associated with, and then when you actually go to the meeting, we have young neurosurgeon dinners. We have um, the ability, like I said, to uh, volunteer and to help people. Uh, Kind of navigate the meeting, uh, and so those opportunities are definitely there at the ground floor. And a lot of people start there, and then through their residency, and then ultimately, uh, you know, go into the section and become part of the uh, the executive committee and the the kind of uh, um, the kind of leadership of the section through those kind of humble beginnings. So, Dom, tell us a little bit about what this section does that's a little different than the other sections, which is the advocacy piece, because I, I know that spine, maybe because of the uh, difficulty sometimes with insurance companies, the uh, sheer volume of work that we do, the, the spine section has a special arm that I don't think exists in the other sections, which relates to advocacy for our, our, our surgeon members, right? Well, that's exactly right. The spine section has uh, um, is an integral part of the a double NS, CNS, uh, a ra- rapid response team. And so, uh, as well as a part of Washington committee, a lot of our leadership 
uh, kind of goes, uh, uh, cuts its teeth through the actual Washington committee with Katie Orico uh, and the Washington committee, and then kind of uh, works its way through the leadership. And that's considered kind of uh, fertile ground for leadership uh, in the section is to be involved with some of these political aspects. But you're exactly right, Mike. I mean, what happens is, is that spine is surgery is kind of under attack because it is, it's a shared specialty between ortho and neuro. And there's such a huge price tag associated with the healthcare uh, expenditure of spine in general. And again, I want to emphasize that most of the spending in spine doesn't come from spine surgery. It comes from things that are uh, that are ancillary to that, such as uh, you know therapy. You got to remember there, are, you know, therapy, chiropractors, interventional pain guys doing injections, physiatrists doing injections, spinal cord stimulators. So there's there are a bunch of uh, folks who are kind of involved in the spine field, but not involved with spine surgery. But it is a big percentage of what is spent on healthcare. So. There's constantly a, a target kind of on the back of spine surgery, and and so, and it needs to be protected in multiple different areas. Uh, one is encroachment upon surgery by non-surgeons. Another is the, the decision-making and autonomy of spine surgeons is potentially third-party billers decide what can and can't be done as opposed to patients and surgeons, uh, and then what can and can't be covered uh, as far as new technologies. So there needs to be a patient advocate out there, and the best patient advocate is the spine surgeon. And so, as that, because of that, we've become very active in the politics of uh, of spine surgery and uh, and advocacy for it. But especially patient advocacy and safety, and that includes outcomes. And the spine section has been very actively involved with the uh, with spine outcomes. First is the National uh, uh, Neurosurgery Out Quality Outcomes Database and now the American Spine Registry. And so uh, those are all things that uh, someone basically needs to be watching out for these initiatives and, and, and taking and protecting spine surgery uh, from various different forces that we've talked about that may not necessarily have the patient's best interest in mind. And that is our you know, whether you agree with surgery or not, or, 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 or whether it should be uh, what place it should hold, I think there is no question that the spine surgery uh, at the end of the day is something that is needed to protect the safety and neurological functioning of and quality of life in, in a certain percentage of patients. And the best advocate for those patients is the spine surgeon. Well, Dr. Cork, let's take that thought that you just finished with how important and integral spine surgery is to the care of selected patients. And with that thought, Let's also remember everything that we've discussed today, the diversity of techniques within spine surgery, the prevalence of pathology treated by spine surgeons in this country and worldwide, and even what you mentioned briefly at the end, the target that seems to be on the back of spine surgeons. And with all those things in consideration, speak to young neurosurgeons early in their training who maybe haven't settled on a career path, be it a general neurosurgeon versus any subspecialty. Speak to those folks and make the easy pitch that we've asked all the section heads we've talked to, why spine? But again, JP, great question. And I think spine uh, is, uh, for a lot of the things that we talked about, it is a challenging field. I've pretty much uh, been do in, in doing spine surgery for, as a neurosurgeon for the past 22 years, but I've been doing exclusively spine surgery for basic 20 years. And having said that, I, you can't even begin to, to master all the different techniques and approaches that we talked about. 
So it's a field that will always challenge you. It is very rewarding in terms of returning patients to function, to re returning patients to uh, protecting their ability to, to walk and their ability to have good quality of life. Uh, and the fact is, is that if you're a neurosurgeon, 70, 80% of what you do, no matter what, is going to be spine surgery. So the more competent you are, uh, the better you're going to be as a doctor and as a surgeon and as a patient advocate. So if you're a neurosurgeon, it, it kind of speaks for itself that 70, 80% of what you'd be doing. And like I said, it wasn't a big leap for me to go from 70 to 80% of what I was doing to 100% of what I was doing because I wanted to become, have a certain expertise in, in, in some areas such as arthroplasty and, and, you know, large degenerative cases, tumor trauma, et cetera. And so if you want to become an expert at doing those things, you need, you really have to dedicate yourself. And the way to get that education and that dedication is to go to the spine section, is to kind of learn the newest techniques, the techniques from the masters, to learn from complications, to learn from other people's mistakes. And so those are all things that, again, the section is dedicated to doing as far as training and education uh, and then some of the other things that we talked about. But I I think it, it, whether you're an orthopedic surgeon or a spine or a, or, an, or a neuros, an orthopedic spine surgeon or a neurosurgery spine surgeon, I think the section is kind of the one meeting that gives you the nuts and bolts, uh, top you know, to bottom, uh, front to back, uh, and all the latest uh, technology. And so it is something that I'm proud to be part of the section, and I'm proud to to chair it. And it's an, really uh, an honor to be uh, elected to that position. I look forward to this year. Well, Dom, congratulations once again on being elected chair. I know it's going to be a fantastic year. You'll lead us uh, in, in many different directions that's going to be pr productive for our membership. Uh, thank you for being on the podcast. And we, you want to make a plug for the meeting coming up in San Diego? I do. I'll make a double plug. And I want to thank you, you Mike, and JP for putting this together. It's always a pleasure to be on. Uh, the, because of COVID, the meeting is was moved from what it would have been uh, this month is now moved to uh, the end of July, July 28th to the 31st in San Diego. And then quick turnaround, the next section meeting, the 2022 section meeting is gonna be in Vegas, your personal favorite, I know Mike, uh, uh, at Caesars Palace, and that's gonna be at the end of February. Excellent, well, we look forward to seeing you there in San Diego this year and next year in Vegas, hopefully with many of our listeners joining as well. Thanks again for coming on the show.